Hello everyone and welcome to Faye Talks, also known as Food Allergy Youth Talks. My name is Gia and I'm the founder of Food Allergy Youth. I've had a multitude of allergies for as long as I can remember. I also underwent oral immunotherapy and desensitized myself to my allergens. I'm still allergic, but I can eat them all. I'm so excited to speak up for the youth population and offer my insights on this complex condition. Be sure to join me in my mission to educate, embolden, and make living with food allergies just a little bit easier. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Faye Talks. I'm so glad you're able to join us today. In this episode, I'm joined by food allergy advocate and certified therapist, Amy. Amy shares a bit of her own food allergy story, and we also explore possible anxiety-inducing scenarios that people with food allergies could potentially be in. So there are some amazing takeaways from this episode because Amy actually goes through a variety of techniques and actions to take in those fearful situations of dealing with food allergy anxiety. So this is definitely a must-listen for some great advice. Be sure to follow Amy on Instagram at Coastal Beaches Therapy. Follow Faye on Instagram at Food Allergy Youth and check out Faye's website, foodallergyyouth.com. But most importantly, enjoy the episode. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to speak with you about all things food allergies and mindset. So if you could please start off with sharing your personal story, your personal connection to food allergies and how that sort of led you to go into working as a therapist. Sure. Well, yes. You know, I... I'm a licensed clinical social worker, uh, actually from the great state of New York. Uh, mm-hmm. and I relocated to Florida where I currently practice. I have a private practice and, uh, you know, I, I myself have a history of food allergies, life-threatening and severe. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed with a uh, life-threatening peanut allergy when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty traumatic, I will right. say, you know, in those first moments or, you know, when we're giving or we're trying to be given our medications for asthma yeah. or things that should be working. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, um, I remembered it was, it, the nurses were saying, this is just not an asthma attack. This mm-hmm. is, might be something that has to do with a food allergy. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty eye opening because, you know, right. that, what, 12 years old, my whole yeah. life changed. Yeah. So from there, yeah, it, it at, at 12 years old, 13 years old, having to go through some significant lifestyle changes pretty pretty significantly overnight, I later then developed and realized I have a soy, uh, mm-hmm. celiacs, and dairy allergy. So mm-hmm. I know at times too, especially with the challenges of, of going out to eat or even just dating has been mm-hmm. very challenging in the past, like in college mm-hmm. and in high school, because pe- what do we do? We we socialize through food. It's right. Too far- cultural identity as far as just connecting with others so yeah like people are like okay you want to go get ice cream uh I can't uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to come along if yeah. that's okay yeah I, I'm not necessarily gonna be able to get anything if that's okay I don't mm-hmm. want to make it weird you know even just my my language had to change and yeah. well, the common feedback was well just take a lactate you'll be fine and unfortunately it doesn't work and so you know that that really inspired me as I was, you know, going in graduate school and, you know, completing studies. You know, I did attend Stony Brook University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I initially started at a California State University uh, out in the Bay Area and transferred to Stony Brook. And even as a student athlete there too, um, encountered there was just repetition in mm-hmm. the, you know, the challenges I faced, even with nutritionists and dietitians for, you know, just being a D one. Right. Uh, 
And I'm like, okay, I pay attention to this throughout the years. And mm-hmm. fast forward to graduate school, I I really believe in the fact that our our niches, kind of like in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sorting hat. Yeah. You know, we don't get to choose our house mm-hmm. of Hogwarts. The, you know, the uh, the sorting hat does it for us. Mm-hmm. I'd say the same applies to mental health. I really feel that your niche finds you. And I really noticed there were a lot of gaps and absolutely a lot of missing supports in my field mm-hmm. for this very special population that I myself have, again, the experience with. Mm-hmm. And it really has become something that's been so rewarding to do and offer in my practice because, yeah, people come up from, I mean, even South Florida, throughout the state. And I get the similar feedback pretty frequently is that, yeah, my previous counselor or my previous therapist, even my nutritionist, they think I have an eating disorder and mm. there's a lot of invalidation. Right. And it's really my hope that when I, I work with people, they feel supported, they feel validated. Right. And they, they know that their allergies and their anxieties are real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's interesting that you mentioned that a lot of people like offered you like take a lactate or something. A lot of people confuse uh, like dairy allergy with like lactose intolerant. And I think like part of like the impact on people's mental health comes from how like the lack of understanding that they get from others, like inside, you know, and your fear comes from the fact that if your allergy is anaphylactic, it's potentially life-threatening. But when other people don't see that as life-threatening, it sort of makes you feel alone and kind of isolated on this island of like fear. And people just don't take you seriously. And that can be really frustrating. So I think it's great that you're working to kind of support that specific population. You're able to connect with them because of your experiences. So it's not like they're talking to someone who doesn't have food allergies. You've been through it. You felt those emotions. And so you can help process that as well. So I think that's really great. Yeah, no, it's, it's wild. You know, I, I, especially I've had uh, people I'm laughing because you do need a dark sense of humor. Mm -hmm. or at least just a sense of humor. Right. Uh, I really believe laughter is very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And I've had photos of, of clients of mine who have wound up in the ER and for an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah. And, you know, once they're stabilized, you know, they'll send me a selfie. And, you know, it's it's nice they feel like they can reach out. Yeah. And they'll say something very silly. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. look, it happened again. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's really nice to know that again, instead of that fear, embarrassment, you know, other emotions that might pop up is that right. shame or, or sense of failure. I do right. notice people feel like they failed if they have to yeah. leave. I love seeing that in, again, once they're stable mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, they feel like they, they both can and they desire mm-hmm. to reach out for that support, but they yeah. do so in a way that feels authentic and lighthearted. I just, yeah. that makes my heart feel so happy when they're able to do that because we right. know it, it's scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think because you're able to understand that they're able to kind of process that like pressure of having food allergies and dealing it dealing with it on a daily basis, and just sort of like, move on quicker than like, just like dwelling on it, because they have that support system that understands like this condition is out of their control. Like you can do, you can only do so much to keep yourself safe and take care of yourself. And you can't always put all of the blame on you. And so I think that's also really important. And it's great that they're able to reach out like that. Yeah, no, technology is wild. And again, again, 
I get the mm-hmm. yeah. TikToks and it's like, wait, you record a TikTok of that? <laughs> we need to talk about this. And then yeah. it, it is really cool that yes, even through technology, just the field of mental health and mm-hmm. just, you know, the working in food allergies or just the way that, you know, even on your platform, you're able to connect to so many people, especially mm-hmm. young adults. It's just so my decade ago would have been like, no way. <laughs> it's just cool that it's, it's just very cool. Me. Yeah. Uh, and going into a little bit of like the science, the aspect of it, um, do you notice that there is a connection between like the mind healing and then the body healing afterwards? Like, is do you see a mind body connection with like medicine and things like that? Oh, for sure. I I, I definitely notice a, and I like to take a bottom up approach. So mm-hmm. really, I think when we look at our, our skin, our fascia is the, you know, the medical terminology for it. Mm-hmm. That is the largest sensory organ we possess. Right. So if you think about how, even just right now between like where you are and I am, our bodies are taking in so much information, so much stimuli mm-hmm. that yes, that's why with airborne allergies, when people, you know, I I've had this where I've been at Yankee stadium, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a Red Sox fan, so that's why I made that face. <laughs> but it's a great stadium. They're a great team, a great organization, of course. And you know, what is what do they sell at baseball games? Peanuts. And I, you know, it was over the summer, I'll never forget this actually, where you know I started to smell peanuts. Why? And not paying attention to the game. And I'm like, why is my throat feeling itchy? This is weird. Mm-hmm. And why do I feel like it's a little bit tight? This is a beautiful sunny day. Um, no allergies that I'm aware of. And then, you know, my husband behind me, he was next to me saying, well, there are people behind you that are shelling out peanuts. Is that a problem? And I said, yeah. So if you think about it, even just being in our, in our natural environment, our bodies can detect these, you know, these, I mean, allergens, pathogens, just all these, you know, things in our, our immediate sensory world that can potentially harm us. Mm -hmm. Of course, when we get a signal that comes from the bottom up, our brains are going to start going into this panic mode of, well, what, what could it be? I shouldn't say panic mode, but I would like to think it's more of like the central operations right. mode. It's like, Hmm, could it be this or could mm-hmm. it be that? And anxiety then is something that does often present. And so, yeah, I do take a bottom up approach and when people can learn to connect the two rather than look at them as very different organisms or mm-hmm. you know, just two different pieces of the you know, human package, yeah, healing is just so much more fun because mm-hmm. anything's possible from that point. Yeah. 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 No, that's really cool. I've always been interested in like that sort of mind-body connection mm-hmm. and how like processing emotions, like I've seen like documentaries on how processing emotions like even helps people like get rid of their diseases. And I think that's just like really fascinating how much power the human mind has. It's just like incredible. You know, too, it's you know, that's why with we think about this, you know, it, 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 how do I say it lovingly? It's that when we think about this channel that goes up and down from our vagus nerve into our brains and our nervous systems, you know, this mind body connection, it, of course it exists. And you think about how like people who have um, some autoimmune disorders or, right. you know, uh, chronic pain, like fibromyalgia patients, mm-hmm. What's so interesting is that in the fascia, which I find it fascinating, sorry, is, you know, the fact that at night, for example, when we're asleep, our fascia actually will produce a little bit of this hardening material in between. 
because you know it's not it's not active it's supposed to be at rest so in you know in cadaver studies they've noticed that yes posthumously people have this hardening of their fascia and when we think about not getting enough rest or our rest is interrupted or you know there's chronic stress chronic mm-hmm. pain those signals that need to be flowing freely during the day they're they're not getting across as quickly as they should because they mm-hmm. have that substance. Mm -hmm. When we think about trauma or we think about chronic stress or we think about, yes, even with food allergies and anxiety, that stress hardens the body and which can certainly disrupt the channels in which communication needs to flow. So yeah, it's very much all very interconnected. Yeah, that's very interesting. That was a really good explanation too. Um, And in terms of sort of processing these emotions, like dealing with your anxiety, like when it comes up, like let's say if someone's doing therapy and they're by the, like they're, this is out of session, they get some sort of anxious emotions. What are some of this like techniques that you would share to like help them process it like meditation or like emotional freedom technique, like maybe things like that? Well, I'd say meditation is is a great practice overall. Ideally, though, not going to be the best for anxiety. Okay. You know, if we think about when we're anxious or we're feeling anxious, mm-hmm. big neurolinguistics uh, therapist, where the way that we communicate and how we communicate is very important. Mm-hmm. So we never want to identify as the feeling. We just want to identify, we never want to identify as or with it. We just want to be able to identify it that we're feeling this way. So instead of I'm anxious, it'd be, you know, when I am feeling anxious in this moment you know, being in the mind can be very challenging. Right. My dog agrees. So, <laughs> um, so when we're, we're feeling anxious, trying to give it more stillness can, I think, create more of the inverse effect. Um, you know, pe- people have described to me their different experiences of what anxiety feels like as, you know, it's like listening to uh, a song really, really loudly and you cannot find the volume button or the volume button's not working and it can't go down. Okay. And, or when we're driving and our seatbelts just automatically lock up mm-hmm. and we can't, we can't figure out how to, you know, get it to loosen yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. That sensation of being you know, constricted against our chest and our throats can be very tough because we're going to feel put in that restricted, constricted position. Mm-hmm. And the body is going to want to get out of that as fast as possible. So mm-hmm. if we're trying to slow it down, that intentionally it's like, okay, I'm not going to think about these things. I'm just going to breathe. Your body's already responding to that, trying to get you out of that already. So that's why I think it could be like oil and water. Okay. Probably as I say, meditation as a, a mindful practice in itself is phenomenal. I know there's absolutely, you know, a tremendous amount of support in terms of evidence-based studies and, you know, um, Zabat Kim with his, you know, mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy. It's, it's wonderful, but yeah, as it relates to when you're in it, I, I don't think meditation is the, the tool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. When you're in it, you'd really want to become active. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is in a sense too, just energy, it energy that wants you to move, whether it's right. Or right. right? right. Um, you know, sometimes anxiety can present itself um, physiologically. Mm-hmm. So if people are sweaty, you know, I say like when we start sweating, yes. um, you know, sometimes what the body is doing is either trying to cool itself down okay. or it's trying to make you nice and slippery that if you're running away from a predator in, you know, back in the day, we're out there in the woods hunting, gathering, 
um, you know, we would be much harder to catch because we'd be slippery. Mm. Okay. So yeah, 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 no, we're, our bodies are such cool organisms because we've been, yeah. you know, our evolution since, you know, even just genetically down the line has mm-hmm. just become better and better with the mm-hmm. elements, right? So we are certainly wired to adapt in the best way possible. So C word is the keyword right there is adapt. Mm. So adapt adaptation is active and ways you can work with anxiety and anxious feeling is to gain movement. Movement is medicine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's, you're, you're noticing like you kind of feel stuck, like you're sitting still, you're in a stationary position, or if you're starting to feel nervous or starting to notice feelings of anxiety, let's say you're in class, right. go, go get some water. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, in college, you can, it's a free for all. You can just get up and leave, but in yeah. high school, you probably have to get a pass and yeah. it's the right thing and say, Hey, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. So we definitely want to move and not stay stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, go get some water, you know, also too, you could start doing in, I like acceptance and commitment therapy. So, you know, you're doing cognitive diffusion techniques, like, you know, okay, I notice this anxiety. I notice that I'm having feelings of anxiety. I'm noticing I'm having feelings of anxiety that are somewhat like my heart is racing. And I notice when my heart is racing, this is how I'm feeling. And you just want to distance yourself okay. as much as possible. Um, another, I, I love, I've, I love tools. I'm very solution focused. Yeah. So you got me going. I'm on a roll. Absolutely. Um, no, please share. <laughs> but there's also a technique, which I love is, you know, you can also start using, you know, tongue twisters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh yeah, this is fun. You ready? You want to yeah. try one? Okay. Oh, it's so hard. Sally sells. Sally. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yes. Cause I know you're in New Jersey. So how do you use that one? I had to for the Jersey store. <laughs> right? so, oh yes. <laughs> when we say that, over and over again, mm. or we go fuzzy, muzzy was a bear, fuzzy, muzzy had no hair, something where, you know, they have a list of them online, uh-huh. uh, challenging the brain. So I'm going into your mm. activating different hemispheres, uh-huh. gives that brain a chance to have a task and distract itself. Oh. From the brain. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's mm-hmm. really cool. It's fat. Yeah. It's, you know, the neuro linguistics and, you know, practicing those tongue twisters. Mm-hmm. Wow. One of my internship experiences in graduate school, you know, I worked in an alternative high school for parenting um, teen mothers, and mm-hmm. it was also at an alternative school. And they had a program where, um, you know, it, immigrants from different countries from around the world were coming to learn mm-hmm. how to, you know, improve their English uh-huh. as language. And so part of the techniques I remember just sitting in on um, and listening to their, their, their classwork was, yeah, they had to practice these tongue twisters to mm-hmm. improve the way that their mouths pronounce the words oh wow I love that it's very direct action focused and it's intentional yeah and like I feel like once once the human mind finds a task and they like focus repetitively on trying to perfect it or get better at it Mm -hmm. especially something like tongue twisters like once people start they say like at least five to ten more times Mm -hmm. that's that's a really cool technique yeah and then I'll give you one more one more I'm on a roll I think I'm on a roll the other You know, we are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. So and yeah. habit provides safety, especially with food allergies. I I I would be absolutely lying to your face. And I'm not a good liar, by the way. So you'll know. <laughs> but you know, I, if I said, yeah, you know, we we don't need routine or structure. We certainly do, particularly yeah. when it comes to, you know, a chain of command. If we've been exposed to an allergen, if we've accidentally ingested an allergen, if we feel like we might be having an allergic reaction. 
there are certain, you know, non, non-disputable steps that we have to take mm-hmm. to make sure that world will be safe. Yeah. But that said, and with consideration of this piece of our lives here, it's, we still want to get creative with our anxiety. So we are, we are creatures of habit. So let's say though, you're feeling, you're having a really difficult morning. Like you're just waking up. You're not, not feeling so great. Mm -hmm. Maybe feeling a little anxious coming up with a test. You know, you have a lot of things on your plate. Yeah. I would lovingly challenge you to change up your routine a little bit. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're, if you're driving to school, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're driving to after school activity or you have to go to an after school activity, take the more scenic route. Yeah. Go a different way. Mm-hmm. Get you the same place. You're going to go to the same exact place, but you're going to change the ways in which you get there. Mm-hmm. You change your scenery or the ways to which you're, you know, you're following that path to your location. Your brain has to pay a little more attention now, mm. even though it knows where you're headed. Right. Yeah. So that's why changing the, the, the routine, just the hair yeah. can make a pretty significant impact because now it's like, wait a second, I probably should pay attention. Even though there's only like three roads or three place, three ways to get to this place. Yeah. I kind of need to pay attention to my external environment now, just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like everything is energy. So it's like when you take a different move, that energy shift mm-hmm. and sometimes make all the difference. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. No, it's, it's so cool. I mean, I, I just love working in the brain. I treat it like yeah. a muscle. So yeah. because it try different things on and see, you yeah. know, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Um, and if someone is in like a situation where they are like, let's say you go out with your friends, right? You're a teen, a young adult, you're out with your friends at dinner and you start feeling those anxious emotions, but you may be too embarrassed to admit it to them. So what techniques do you recommend when you're like surrounded by a lot of people and you don't want to, you know, actively show that you're trying to uh, like calm down your anxiety, but you also want to be able to help yourself? Sure. Well, I'm thinking if we were out, let me go back to my time machine. So I went, <laughs> I went, time I went out with friends like that when I was young, the dinosaurs were still alive. So just give me a second. <laughs> really far um so yeah let's say you were out to to you know you're out at the school campus you're off you know at the union you're getting food or you're out you know going out to eat with friends etc like you just mentioned I would use what you've got in front of you so example I'd like to think that one of the standards that we might get is getting a cold glass of water mm-hmm. you know I'm thinking of more of a formal place like a formal sit down you know or even just if it's like cheesecake factory they're going yeah. to bring some water yeah. Right. Or you can request water with mm-hmm. ice and you just want to hold the glass. Okay. Right. So you think about our nerve endings, how sensitive they are on our hands. Right. right. And I would also encourage you to do it with your non-dominant hand. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, right. So I'm a righty. Mm-hmm. Are you righty? Yes, I'm righty. You're righty. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to use your left hand. Okay. Yeah. And with your left hand, hey, you have to now focus. Well, your nerve endings are going to be much more like, whoa, activated. Hello. Mm-hmm. That's cold. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be a little bit harder to have to pick it up because it's right. on your hand. Okay. So that's engaging your nerves to work a little bit harder mm-hmm. to distract you from what's going on. And it's also discreet because people aren't going to be like, hey, why? Right. Why are you your left hand. Yeah. They're not going to notice. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So using cold temperature like that, using muscles mm-hmm. and nerve endings or nerves that are not dominant mm-hmm. tools right there. Um, alternatively as well, mewing is one of also another technique. It's a breath work. Are you familiar with mewing? Uh, no, actually. So it's M-E-W. I know as Long Islander, it can sound like mooing. <laughs> so sometimes they uh-huh. mewing, M-E-W-I-N-G. Okay. And what it involves is just taking your tongue and holding it, if not imagining it being glued to the roof of your mouth, mm-hmm. you keep your, your lips sealed and you just focus on breathing through your nose. So it would look like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what it does naturally is when we put our tongue to the roof of our mouths, this is, I love, I love medicine. I love the anatomy. I love getting into this. And so yeah. think about it, the airways right. open and they're much more relaxed. Mm. It's natural relaxing mm-hmm. it's just way to open up your entire okay. uh, whole uh, area where you can just breathe in. And wow. it's just, yeah, it relaxes your whole body because you're getting more of a full breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. you do that. And then lastly, my other one is, <laughs> I'm laughing because it is pretty funny, but <laughs> look up their eyebrows or just look at someone's eyebrows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. I, have, I have fun in what I do. So I just yeah. try ways that are are entertaining because now it's yeah. that they're probably gonna start laughing and yeah. then their friends might be like what's so funny be like nothing <laughs> like you know um it, it takes away from any type of you know shame embarrassment right if they're looking at someone's eyebrows for example that's taking that pressure off of them to make eye contact I know eye contact can feel very intense for people at times particularly yeah. if they're not feeling comfortable in their own skin absolutely Right. So we try to avoid eye contact because especially if you feel vulnerable, we don't want other people to pick up on that energy. Mm-hmm. So if we're out with a bunch of friends and we still want to feel engaged, but not disconnected, I would encourage them, yes, to go above the eyes and look here. Okay. Um, definitely don't look in the center of their head because that, that would make them probably very self-conscious right? <laughs> above your hmm. but if you look at the eyebrows mm-hmm. um, or you look at their ear, their earlobes, mm-hmm. that also can help. So mm-hmm. Those are things just in your immediate that can be um, an asset to have in your toolbox. But again, there's also no shame in just sending one of your friends at the table a text message. Yeah. Say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. Can you come with me to the bathroom? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, don't, I would say lean on our friends as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having a nice support system is definitely crucial to sort of get you through those difficult moments. Right. Um, and those are amazing pieces of advice. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, and then for the final question, I like to ask, what is one piece of advice that you would want to give people with food allergies? Ooh. Hmm. I know it's difficult. <laughs> one? Yeah. Oh, Atlanta. Um, hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, one piece of advice is, you know, certainly it, it's okay to, to feel like you're, you're, you've been through some really dark stuff. You know, I'd say in order to become a light for others. Yeah. You have to be willing to become more comfortable with your own darkness. Right. And like I said, in the very beginning of our conversation, like I, I certainly have been through some dark parts of just, yeah. you know, almost dying. I've had, you know, I've had four instances of anaphylaxis that were pretty life-threatening. Um, one of them was just pretty wild out in the ocean during a lifeguard. Wow. Oh, it was funny. I mean, I look back and I'm like, wow, uh, it was also my birthday. So it was definitely oh. But I, I smile now because it's like, you know, being able to look back on that mm-hmm. and recognizing like it, it is a part of my story and mm-hmm. that's 
what allows me to hold that space for others is looking back, like I said, and not being afraid or ashamed or embarrassed of your darkness, Mm -hmm. so much value in, in being able to own part of what you've been through as your experience, because that's what's going to help and motivate and propel you and others. Yeah. Like fully loving and accepting yourself is definitely the key to, you know, getting to the other side and finding that light. So it's a really important message. And thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. You share some really insightful tips, some unique ones that I haven't even heard of before. And I think the listeners are definitely going to take that into consideration. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on again. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. And I, I'm, t- I'm so appreciative of the work you're doing and the mission behind this podcast. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And I, I really look forward to hearing and seeing more about and how food allergies are becoming more integrated into mental health. And I love that you're part of the journey too. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. I hope you had a great time listening. I really appreciate the support and thank you.